from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. There was this concern that there hadn't been a thought about how to include the community, really get that process set before drafting these maps. I was, you know, joking with a a fellow reporter that it almost looked like they'd done it in Microsoft Paint because of how thick the lines were. The Kingsway neighborhood, so that's a far north west St. Louis, are represented by five different alder people. I'm Sarah Fetsky. In 2012, St. Louis residents voted to cut the number of wards in the city from 28 to 14. Earlier this week, St. Louis Board of Aldermen President Lewis Reed presented the first draft of what this new map might look like. Reed says the new map keeps neighborhoods together and keeps minority representation intact. And joining us now to get us up to speed on redistricting and this newly unveiled and very controversial map is St. Louis Public Radio reporter Rachel Lippman. Rachel, thank you for joining us today. I'm glad to help out, Sarah. So, Rachel, I mentioned this vote was in 2012. Here we are in 2021. How has it taken this long to get to the point where we finally have a map? Well, part of it is just data availability. The censuses only happen in the tens, so you wouldn't have had a census to draw the new map until 2020, the same way that, you know, it's on the same redistricting schedule as, you know, House of Representatives, as State House and Senate districts. So the fact that the data wasn't available until 2020 or, you know, currently is is not that big of a deal. Where the question and issues have come in for some people, though, is just they have known that this cut down from 28 to 14 has been coming since 2012. Mm-hmm. There have been a couple of attempts to overturn it, but it was pretty clear that at some point these wards were going to go from 28 to 14. Some desperate attempts to stop that, a couple but of desperate not successful. Attempts, not successful in any way, shape, or form because it would have had to have first, you know, uh, been approved by the Board of Aldermen, approved by the mayor. If the mayor vetoed it, which she did, they would have had to overwrite it, and then it would have had to go back to voters. What the issue some people have is that there was not a process in place to get public comment to really include, uh, start having discussions about equity, neighborhoods, et cetera, ahead of putting this draft map out. So while the numbers would never have been available until they were available for everyone, there was this concern that there hadn't been a thought about how to include the community, Mm. really get that process set before drafting these maps. So these maps just kind of dropped almost like voice of God style, like, here's your maps. Yes, the draft map uh, dropped as, you know, photos on a website for most public access uh, on Tuesday ahead of this public meeting, or actually, I think it was after the public meeting. Even. After the public yes, meeting, for, wow. For public, for public accessibility, you know, if you were watching the, the Board of Aldermen meeting when they dropped this map, you could, you know, see the map and take screenshots and piece it together. But in terms of a public-facing website, it was not until after, like, the initial meeting of this legislation committee that is handling it, this map was available to the public. And there were a lot of complaints during the public hearing on Tuesday night that the lines were so thick. I was, you know, joking with a, a fellow reporter that it almost looked like they'd done it in Microsoft Paint because of how thick the lines were. So if you're like near that edge, you're you near that edge, you have no you idea, into. right? Because sometimes the borders are, you know, literally the dotted lines down the middle of the street. I remember at an old place of mine, I lived on one side of the street, the other side of the street was a different ward. So, you know, these lines really can make a difference. And if it's just, you know, a thick line, 
down a dividing line. Nobody knew kind of where those boundaries were exactly were. It had taken some members of the public putting together a Google map where you could more clearly see the lines. So there was concerns about that accessibility. Uh, There were concerns about the accessibility even of the hearing itself. Mm. You know, Zoom's still a complicated process to sign up for. And signing up to speak in public comment was sort of an added um, step that some people weren't really aware of. And there was no in-person component. People had to do the whole Zoom Correct. Route. There was Ooh. no in-person component to to the meeting on Tuesday night nor the meeting on Wednesday night. So I mentioned this kind of dropped Voice of God style. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we know about who drew it? So the impression that we have is that uh, from what I've heard and listened to the meetings is that President Reed, working with his staff, took on the, uh, you know, went and talked to the different aldermen and said, how would you like these wards to look? What neighborhoods do you think would, you know, work better to to put into this map? And then he, working with his chief of staff, his uh, legislative assistant and other members, put this map out, you know, based on those conversations uh, privately first to the aldermen and then ask them to weigh in on what it looked like. So that has always been the process of how this map is drawn. Okay. The, the dropping That's down, not new. That is not new. The dropping down, you know, voice of God, uh, or in the old days, you know, tacking it up on the wall of the committee room so you could see it all is not new. What they're saying is by involving the public and allowing them to comment and say, I wish X, Y, and Z would happen with my neighborhood or my ward, or they're saying that is the addition to this process. So it also feels like what is new this year is that there is so much at stake. This is not there just is. we shift a couple blocks. This is literally neighborhoods rise and fall based on this map. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I think that's a bit of an exaggeration. But, but what it is, is, you know, they're, they're, it's half. You yeah. know, there are going to be wards where by necessity, you can't maintain all 28 wards and all 28 alder people. The, the city has dropped. The a city has lot dropped in population. population. And, you know, regardless, when you take it from 28 to 14, you know, drawing a 28 ward map would look differently, obviously, because of population shifts. But when you're taking out half of the wards, by necessity, some alder people are going to be drawn into each other's wards. There's questions about who gets drawn into what ward obviously, who gets to face off against each other. But yes, there is a lot at stake. And there may be some who just decide, you know what, I'm done. And, you know, some alders have expressed to me and to other reporters that, you know, yeah, they're just, they're done. They're, they're going to retire. They're going to retire. It's not worth trying to, you know, fight battle, et cetera, within the caucus, such that it is. But, you know, yes, there is at stake, you know, neighboring wards, you can't preserve 28 aldermen when there's only 14 wards on the map. So if you have questions about this complicated process, we may not have answers, but we're going to do our best. We're going to open the phone lines here, try to squeeze in a few calls. Uh, We're at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. Um, And my guest, of course, today is St. Louis Public Radio reporter Rachel Lipman. Rachel, part of what I find myself wondering about, I feel like there was this big announcement um, man, this maybe was almost like a year ago where they were going out and gathering signatures and they were going to put in a new process in place of how these sorts of redistrictings are handled. And they did uh, collect signatures. I understand they turned in those signatures. Does that have any bearing on this process? Could it have any bearing on this process? The answer to that question is yes, if the proposal passes. Because redistricting is a process set out in the charter, any change to it comes through a charter 
charter change. This is an initiative petition where residents drafted it, got the signatures necessary to get it on the ballot. Because of a quirk of an election law, the earliest this initiative could go on the ballot would be April 5th. Isn't that too late? Um Possibly. Okay. <laughs> so the first hurdle they have to pass is the first hurdle they have to clear is that this has to pass. So on April 5th, it would need to get two thirds of the vote. In and the that's city. already a steep task. It is already a steep task. Uh, we've seen, you know, the mood for some election reform is there in the city. We saw the adoption of ranked choice and nonpartisan voting that took effect for the mayoral election. So the appetite is there. It's just a question of will alders work for, against, you know, what's the alignment going to be there? So in looking at the deadlines that are laid out in this proposition are. Um, The uh, earliest that they could get this on the ballot would be April 5th. That's just election law. It has to go on a general election ballot because of the number of signatures it got. Um, And then the latest deadline that they have set out for the maps is August 31st, 2022. Okay. So you've got about four-ish months in there to get new maps drawn with 14 wards. And so if this passes, it could throw a huge monkey wrench into the map unveiled. But the the issue – well, again – Devil is always in the details. There's about four months to appoint a convention, draw multiple maps, take public comment, etc. I haven't sat down and, you know, played with the calendar and said, if, you know, if this, then that, like it would take it to this date and that date. But there's a provision when they appoint the commission that it has to be, you know, open for 30 days, which already takes you to, you know, let's be generous and say May 6th because... That's, you know, let's say that. And then there has to be multiple, there has to be public comment on a draft map, and they have to then leave written open for written comment for a month after they put the. So there's, you know, could it work? Potentially, again, I can't rule it out because I haven't sat down and said, you know, if you take it to the longest date, here's where it goes on the calendar and done all that. But, you know, you would be looking at a very tight time frame, and that's absent any potential legal challenges to any part of this. So, again, St. Louis doesn't do well with tight time frames. (laughs) I'm just not too well with tight time frames. Speak as a transplant here, but. No, and again, like, I, I, I can't say for certain that you absolutely could not get a map done in that four month period. Period, but you've got to think it would be very, 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 very difficult. Just even based on the timelines in the in their own proposal. I'm going to go to the phone lines here. Uh, Mary is calling from the city's Tower Grove South neighborhood. Uh, Mary, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. What's your question? Um, I was, you know, curious kind of about just what you're talking about, that it's my understanding that the current draft of the map is not constitutional, that the population distributions are off. And I'm just wondering if we're going to get a new draft of the map that's actually constitutional uh, as we move forward. Mary, that's a great question. And I think part of what Mary's referring to there is there are a lot more voters packed into these far south wards versus what we see in these far north wards. Percentages that are wildly off from what I'm used to seeing on these maps. Are there constitutional concerns here, Rachel? There was an acknowledgement from President Reed and others working on the map that they know they've got some work to do down in sort of the Dutchtown Bevo area where the, the variances are off. They want to keep it by about a 5% you know, difference between wards, neighboring wards, et cetera. And there's variances down there that are up to about 20%. They have acknowledged that there's some work they need to do. What they're 
say they are running into is Dutchtown is a very densely populated area of the city. Mm -hmm. And if they are trying to keep neighborhoods intact, they're figuring out where you can put the boundaries to keep neighborhoods, areas of interest, et cetera, as intact as possible, while also deal with the population variance issue. There is a new draft map. I believe it is expected to come out today or sometime soon that maybe will address those variance issues. Already a revision. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, there's probably even conversations in the back where they are putting, they knew that the map they were putting out was not going to be the final one. And, you know, we're just like, we need to get something out ahead of public comment. So there is an acknowledgement that the variances are off in South St. Louis. They're working towards that. Again, you listened into a little bit of the meeting of the committee that is drafting these maps. And there was some conversation about whether it's a 5% variance that's constitutional or a 3% variance that's constitutional. People are going to find an issue with every map. Um, it's just a question of if there's enough where it could actually be litigated as a constitutional issue. But they do acknowledge, Mary, yes, that the draft map, because of those variances, especially in the South City, Dutchtown, Bevo area, is unconstitutional. We also have a tweet from Nate. And again, we're talking about these new ward maps that would cut the 28 St. Louis wards down to 14 uh, with reporter Rachel Lipman. And Nate asks, what are the perceived benefits of keeping neighborhoods together within a single ward? And what type of neighborhood is benefiting from prioritizing boundaries above equitable population distribution and other considerations? I believe talking about this same issue here. I think the idea that if you keep neighborhoods together is... There's, there's no way to – there are 79 sort of defined boundary neighborhoods in St. Louis. Some of them are stronger in terms of self-governing entities than others. Others, it's just kind of like a you know place on a map that is mm-hmm. you know named and people are just like, wait, that's a neighborhood in the city of St. Louis. The idea is that you want to make services as – and equitable is a weird word to say here. But you want to, to say that – the, the ability of you to contact your alder person or set development for a neighborhood is not altered by having, you know, four neighbor four aldermen responsible for one neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Because with the concept of aldermanic privilege, which is you defer to the alderman who knows best for their area, you could have a, a, a neighborhood, for example, uh, I think it's Kingsway, the Kingsway neighborhood. So that's a far north west St. Louis are represented by five different alder people. And Kingsway that just East, seems Kingsway crazy. West. Yeah. So that means that, you know, a block, an all a block, you know, could be represented by two or three different aldermen. So the idea of keeping neighborhoods intact is to give neighborhoods um more consistency sort of across the board because you could have one alder person who says, no, I don't ever do tax abatements or incentives for anything, and another alder person who is a little bit more liberal with it. And the idea is to keep it equitable within the neighborhoods themselves. So everyone who's trying to go up there and work in these neighborhoods is on the same page in terms of what is supported, what is encouraged, et cetera, within the neighborhood, rather than having three, four, five different alders in various different blocks Mm -hmm. even uh, saying this is how policy is going to work in my area. I can see that. And I'm about to ask a question that, you know, we only have about a minute and a half left. So I apologize because this is a whole can (laughs) of worms. But the other thing that Lewis Reed, the the president, has said that he wants to prioritize here is that he wants to make sure that black voters continue to get representation here, that this does not become an all-white board of aldermen. How complicated is that with this current map? He says he can get to seven majority minority preference wards where minority voters wouldn't make up the majority of the voters in that 
uh, ward. The question is how strong that majority is. There's a difference between a ward that is, you know, 70 percent black or 70 percent minority and a ward that is 55, 60 percent minority. So numerically, he says he has it split where it's seven majority minority wards and seven white wards. The question is just on those margins. A, you know, 80-20 ward is much different than a 60-40 ward. Yeah. So he's got some really complicated math to do It always is and is made always more complicated by the fact that, yes, we are going from 28 to 14. Yeah, boy. Well, as I said, neighborhoods will rise and fall. (laughs) Rachel doesn't like that, but (laughs) she's probably right. But come on, I got to hype this up where I can. Well, St. Louis Public Radio reporter Rachel Lipman, um, thank you so very much for joining us today. Glad to be here. This episode was produced by Sarah Fenske with audio engineering by Aaron Dore and production assistance from Jane Mather Glass. It was mixed and edited by Jane. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.